This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. And right now, the first of the California cherries are at Zupan's Markets. They are fantastic. And of course, we're waiting for the Oregon cherries, but I have had mixed results buying at some of those stands on the side of the road. So here, you know, you're going to get great product at Zupan's in their produce department. Yeah, you can't go wrong when it comes to produce at Zupans and those cherries are are just delicious. We we often will will buy the cherries. My wife likes to put them in the freezer, Chris, and have them later just because she likes the like the cold pop of the cherry. But uh, get those cherries at your local Zupans. And while you're there, why not pick up a Bluebird Baker scone? I love scones. Uh, Portland's favorite cookie maker now has expanded to include delicious scones, which you can pick up at your local Zupans. So they have berries, they have coconut, so they have fruity, but there's also a cheddar green onion. That's my favorite. Yep. That would be very tasty. So we got to do that. And then while you're there, be aware that it's Oregon Wine Month at Zupans and you can celebrate Oregon Wine Month and join Zupans for two virtual tastings. Those virtual tastings are very fun. May 13th and 20th, you'll stop by Zupans and pick up what they want, their, their tasting wines, and then you'll do it from home and enjoy yourselves. Very nice. And you can stop by those three locations, one of which is uh, McAdam, one is Burnside, and the other is Lake Oswego. And of course, we always love to get all of our information. Sign up for the news feed where, Chris? Zoopans.com. All right, here it is. Time once again, it's Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures. Well, hello there, Court Johnson over at, are you at the King Studios today? Are you uh, operating from the King Studios West? Yeah, uh, King Studios West. I'm operating from my dining room table. Uh, My dog, Charlie, is staring at me in the corner. He's upset that I'm not playing with him right now. Oh, well, it won't be long. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So, <laughs> sorry, I don't think I've ever sung, and I don't know if I would consider that singing before, <laughs> but it's on the podcast. But at any rate, um, yeah, so, uh, and I'm further west out in Manzanita looking at the Pacific Ocean as we speak, which is, um, which is a nice little treat and one of the silver linings to uh, running this podcast during the COVID experience over the last over more than a year now, we're getting into the period where restaurants were just trying to figure out what was going on a year ago. And, uh, and then the crazy thing started happening right about now, a year ago. So um, anyway, it's, um, it's been interesting to do this podcast. It's been uh, interesting also to find guests uh, who don't, aren't necessarily talking about their woes during this. And so in this case, um, I had a gentleman who's been a Facebook friend of mine for a long time. And we really, other than a few little exchanges via text or Facebook text and, and on uh, threads where we would chat back and forth, um, we hadn't had an opportunity to speak like we did in this particular episode of the podcast. And it would be Michael Gibbons, who is the 
owner, the proprietor of both Papa Haydn and Joe Barr. Um, and I took that as a welcome opportunity to chat with him because um, while I haven't been there in a while, Papa Haydn was a staple for me for late night stops after being on the town in Portland for some of the best desserts you can have anywhere for a long time. So um, it was a real um, pleasure to get to know him a little better on the podcast, hear about his background, which started in Los Angeles. And we talk about not only that, but the fact that he's a Dodger fan as well. Um, but uh, it started in Los Angeles and then back in the late 70s, made his way up to Portland, uh, started working at Papa Haydn and uh, began by running their par bar program for them um, while he was between situations at Reed College, never got back to Reed and instead met his future wife um, at uh, Papa Haydn or it might have been Joe Barr. Listen to the podcast and maybe you'll hear the clue to find out if that was the case. But, um, and his wife was doing pastry there. And I really enjoy uh, Michael talking about what makes her a great pastry chef um, in the podcast. Uh, it's not necessarily schooling that did the trick. Um, so listen to it. It's very interesting. And of course, Michael indicates that he really never had anything to do with the, the pastries, but um, was more, or obviously more oriented towards the food and bar programs at both, both restaurants. He has since over the past 10 years stepped away from day-to-day -day operations of the restaurant, leaving that to uh, younger professionals, including his son. And uh, so um, it was really nice to catch up and hear his thoughts on what's gone on over the last year and also uh, the evolution of Papa Haydn, which is a staple in the Portland food world. And I asked him how it's been trying to keep up with a city where the, the next shiniest thing is what gets all the attention. Um, and of course, a restaurant that's been open since the 70s and 80s is, is not one of those new things that gets reported on. But, uh, but a lot of people know about it. And I know when I first moved here, I was told by a lot of people, you gotta go to Papa Haydn. And, um, and so I did and enjoyed it. So uh, really cool to catch up with Michael Gibbons um, of Papa Haydn and Joe Bar. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupan's and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest bounty in Portland, West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. Portland Food Adventures. Ready to break out and travel to some of the world's most delicious destinations? Portland Food Adventures has space available on two trips in 2022. To Basque Country in Spain with Chef Javier Canteras of Urdaneta. Also, if you've never experienced Italy with Austria Enzyme, join Chris for the most delicious nine days in Western Sicily imaginable. Info at portlandfoodadventures.com. And by... 
Finex Cast Iron Cookware Company. Finex is built for those that believe details make the difference. Whether crafting cookware or cooking a meal, attention to detail can elevate the everyday into something extraordinary. Finex pays attention to detail to bring you inspiration and tools for a lifetime of meals and memories. Make the everyday extraordinary. Find out more at FinexUSA.com. Michael, thank you so much for being here. I just want to forewarn you. I may have to step away for a second. I've got, as you know, I think, um, my elderly dog, Oakley, sometimes can't go an hour without my attention right now. So I may have to beg your indulgence and stop away, step away for a sec. I'll be right back. All right. If I I'll, uh, I'll keep that in mind. I, I have an elderly dog as well, so whose rear end doesn't work so hot anymore. So, uh, oh, that's how old? She is. Uh, she just turned fourteen uh, in January. So oh, and what, my, what, kind, what kind of dog is she? It's a, a Welsh corgi. It's my first small dog. Um, my wife got it when we lost our last Bernese, and. Um, and she got it because uh, smaller dogs tend to be longer lived. So, uh, and I, I have to say, I wanted to put her on a football tee and kick her through some goalposts at first, but uh, she won my heart. So. Ah, well, they're cool. They're smart dogs. They're cool dogs. Whenever I see one, they're, they're very nice. Yeah, no, she's, she's inc- incredibly bright. So uh, uh, it's, 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 she's a joy. Well, I would hope that uh, in 14 years, you would have, she would have endeared herself to you. Yeah, it didn't take long. I think it took <laughs> about, about three months and that was it. So. Oh, that's good. Well, that's still a while. But, you know, you were going through, was, did you get her as a puppy? Uh, no, she was actually um, a turnkey. She was a year old. The breeder had her intending to uh, breed and she ended up just being a little too long uh, for the breed specs. So, and I think that's part of the back problem is that her spine is just a little too long. So. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no. And she's happy. It doesn't bug her. I mean, dogs are just incredible role models for people. I just, you know, she's got a smile on and it doesn't get to her. So, you know, I just can't believe what Oakley's been dealing with. And he's just keeps going. You know, if he trips and falls and is sitting there waiting for me to help, he doesn't complain. He just yeah. kind of waits, goes yeah. with it. So it's been mm-hmm. An incredible learning experience because I've never gotten to this stage with a dog. So this is new. It's new for you. Yeah. So, and I've had a, quite a few dogs, but uh, some of them, you know, well, I did get to the uh, sixth stage with a dog, but five years old. This is, uh-huh. this is different because not that we're going to go into a lot of dog talk, but I don't mm-hmm. mind. It's all right. Uh, this is different because Oakley, uh, having been with him for 17, almost 17 years now, and, um, giving him the best life possible, you know, on the beach for most of a lot of it. Yeah. I'm feeling like I'm not feeling a lot of grief yet, but also because I got Kodak, that was part of the plan. Yeah. And so I'm really celebrating if, if his last day is tomorrow or next week, I would know that he had a great life and I know the end is coming. So I've had, a chance to know, you know, yeah. I'm going gr- to grieve. It's not like, getting, yeah, to, uh, to kind of brace yourself. And, and, and also um, it's a nice, it's a nice opportunity, like you say, to reflect uh, 
back on the time you've had together and the things that you shared. And I, I, I like the younger dog. I figured that's what was going on when I saw Kodak join the, join the pack. And uh, cause they did the same thing with our Bernard um, Porter. Uh, we got a, Oh, like when Porter was about uh, five years, cause the average lifespan for burners is, you know, eight to 10. Um, mm-hmm. And so we got George, uh, who was a female and, uh, uh, they were they were great, and it really helped a lot. And then having George after Porter passed was uh, was definitely a a great uh, help. It's yeah, I think I don't know, I'm not there yet, but I know what it was like to put a dog down years ago, and I mean it was months of misery every night mm-hmm. without the the paws on the on the floor and the the activity. So with Kodak, I know at least that night I'm going to come back and I got someone to hug. Yeah. And, and so um, not, not, to, not to diminish how I'm going to feel about Oakley, no. but it's going to be easier. And this was the plan. It was supposed to be a one-year um, year thing. You know, I was trying to yeah. plan it so when Oakley was th- 14. Right. And then, um, so it's been three, and I'm actually writing a little bit of a book on how good it's been. I'm trying to. Yeah. How incredible it's been for the three of us, um, the the transition. Because I never wanted two dogs. So right. I was against it. So anyway, that's yeah. that. Okay, smokes. Oh, yes. So listen, I find it amusing because when you sent me back pictures of you and you mentioned your gray hair, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I didn't. I didn't picture I was going to see you know Neil Young. Uh, yeah, sorry, it, I didn't mean to no. immediately put. But but you look like someone who went to Reed College many years ago. Yeah, yeah. I I wasn't that quite long haired when I uh, came to Reed in '78, um, and uh, I I start the hair actually is um a, I started long at the beginning of the scourge because. Seven years ago, my sister was a double transplant, a heart and kidney. Uh, and I was with her over the summer while she was waiting for a donor. Uh, and I told her I wouldn't, I'd grow my hair and wouldn't get a cut till she got the heart. And she got it right before Christmas seven years ago. And uh, I kind of liked it. And I, I didn't have it that long, you know, just about above the shoulder, kind of t- top of the, co- over the co- collar. Uh, and I kept it that way f- since, so... I hope you keep it. I think it looks great. It looks great with the hat. The whole look is going on. You there got, you go. And I'm also getting a, a, I assume it's Portland, a Portland weather report. It's sunny there. Yes. Not, it, so this is here. actually, this is in, I'm, I'm up um, with my father uh, in central Oregon. Um, his second wife um, died uh, two weeks ago. So I'm helping him uh, out. She was a hundred um mm. my mom passed uh, years ago from alzheimer's but anyways ruth was 100 and my dad is turns 93 uh next month so he's he's uh, needs a little help so i've been up here for about two weeks and we'll be up here another couple at least through the end of the month to transition him and i think he's gonna move up to uh the cascades in uh Washington in central Washington, uh, outside of Leavenworth. My sister runs a B and B up there. And, uh, so he's got a house down on the icicle river. And, oh, nice. Yeah. But, but how's he fared through the pandemic? He must've, it must've been kind of a lonely, tough period, especially 
losing your wife. Yeah, it was really hard. Um, you know, it's kind of it was kind of like a deja vu for him with with my mom. Um, and so Ruth was the same way, spry until just about the last four months. She had a, a blood disorder called MDS that uh, attacks your um immune uh, your red blood cells and they get they treated it by transfusions but it finally just uh did her in and so she was very i mean she was the, again you know not to compare it to dog but it was the kind of the deal where she was very happy lived a full life lived to be a hundred and eight months or so so and uh, uh was ready to go at the end and my dad sp- spent the night uh the last week with her um when she was in the hospital every night and, and he's stayed overnight and they were really good uh at st charles and ben so you know uh, as those things go it was as good as it could have been probably 100 years I yeah mean, yeah was, what are you I, gonna do yeah so, i mean you got she's got to be she lived a long life i mean a lot of us i don't even have aspirations to get close to that so <laughs> no <laughs> so good well it's pro i'm sure it's good to visit have you been able to visit your father no, so this th- whole thing no, see, as a treat. So because, uh, you know, nobody was vaccinated. I, I have a history of uh, fairly, fairly serious asthma that's been in abeyance for some time. But the last time I ended up in a coma and the whole bit and I just Ooh. I just did not. Um, I had that fear when I, you know, when I read it was a respiratory kind. And, and, and when I get when I get a case of asthma, it usually ends up being on steroids. And then at first they weren't treating with steroids for the COVID and yada, yada, yada. So I, I, we kept extra safe and kept apart. So it's been nice to come back. So now we're both fully vaccinated and yada. It yada. feels good. It, uh, you know, it's a weird feeling because you don't know exactly. I, I went to pick up some bread locally uh, and then we were both vaccinated and I didn't, ha- I didn't, put my mask on outside of the car and the guy, the baker here who does a nice job comes out with a mask on. I said, Oh, I, you know, sorry, I'm fully vaccinated. And he said, well, I am too. I guess it's just habit. So yeah, I can't wait until we don't have to, I lost my temporarily, my good mask that I didn't mind wearing that didn't fog up my glasses. Right. Piss me yeah. off. So for a couple of days I was really ornery and just couldn't wait to stop. But <laughs> Uh, and the other thing is now that we'll we'll kind of segue into some restaurant talk, but okay. I I don't know about you, but I just recently hit the wall with eating out of boxes. Yeah, and, uh, take and take out. So let me get your take on this. And you know, my role in the Portland for food world has always been to prom- been a promoter. I'm not a critic. I don't say, I generally try not to say anything negative about anybody. Sometimes some practices I will yes. voice in about. But let me ask you this, because I feel guilty about voicing this. But on the other hand, I feel it. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. So the other night, and I, uh, the other night, my girlfriend and I were looking for, you know, what's who's open, which is hard to find, who's doing outside dining, because we had last uh, Saturday night, an opportunity to go out. And then I saw some meal kits at places that will re- remain Nine unnamed. Names. And I've yeah. done meal kits. Right. But it's a hundred bucks for two. And then I just, it just hit me that, you know, it's good for them. They're trying to make a living. I understand yeah. that. But what's missing in this equation is when I go out and I spend a hundred plus or whatever I spend, what I like is the opportunity 
to sit down and have the hospitality experience that you mm-hmm. all work so hard to give us. Yes. So to sit down, be waited on. I don't have to clean dishes. I can eat off a nice plate with some nice, hopefully some decent silverware, nice glasses, everything. Yeah. And but so I don't really I understand why this is what it is. But as a consumer, I've hit the wall with paying that same amount plus a 20% tip to bring it home and eat it cold out of a box. I'm missing. So, and you can tell me this as a restaurant owner. Why isn't, I understand everybody's got to make up some revenue they lost, but why isn't the fact that the restaurant isn't open? So there's no front of the, not much front of the house staff to pay. You know, you don't have to pay as much a dishwasher as much. You're not washing as many dishes. No. Why isn't that? And maybe you're not doing it. I don't know. But yeah. why isn't that taken into consideration? So that hundred dollar meal kit isn't fifty because yeah. it's not the same experience. All right, yeah. rant over. Go. Yeah. Th- well, that's our price point is right around fifty. Uh, but more ba- sort of back on just principle of the thing. I mean, we struggled for a long time with. Is there a way to replicate or um, account for that missing gestalt of, of hospitality? Uh, and and right. the best we came up with were um, little treats for the next day kind of deal, whether it's just a, a truffle or a, a macaron, uh, that kind of thing. And that really doesn't make up for it. As far as the cost, I think f- we're fortunate. Um, I own my buildings. Most places don't. Mm -hmm. Um, So the fixed costs, um, aside from the labor and the food uh, and those other ancillary things are pretty well fixed. So the price points got to stay the same when you when you talk about a good year being like four percent on the margin uh, Mm -hmm. in normal times that it that's I think that explains the 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 high price i don't want to say anybody's gouging they're trying to just make up for i don't think they're gouging no yeah yeah i said they're trying to make up but here's here's the equation it's been over a year yes and i just hit the wall with it i'm like i'm tired of eating out of boxes so from a consumer standpoint i'm like well wait a minute you're getting not you by the way i this was not your restaurant it was another one but the restaurants are getting PPP money. So they're getting some compensation. They're getting some relief. Then in many cases, they got rent relief, uh, not continued, but for a few months. So I just, I'm glad, I'm really happy if someone can sell a hundred dollar meal kit without cocktails. That's great. But I personally just, someone who wants to support everybody, but can't afford to do that for a mediocre, less than mediocre experience. The food, I've always said this before the pandemic, food is great, but I personally, one of the reasons I started my Portland food adventures is I liked the really cool experience I could have in a particular restaurant. And I wanted to share that, the the ability to converse with the chef and, and just, the service aspect, it's not the same just to eat the food. It's no, just, it's, it's not. And, and I, I just recently was, was talking with my dad and, and my wife about that. We went um, last week. There was a nice day and we ate outside up here at Black Butte Ranch. And um, it's like I think they have seven or eight tables. Um, and of course, it was still during the there was no indoor dining. And, you know, the, the sir, we had an, a a trainee um so and she was nervous as all heck um the food there is is 
you know, again, please don't well, it, it's fine, you know. It, <laughs> You're being quoted, just so you know. <laughs> well, it's pseudo. It's it, it, it's much better than it used to be, and it's it's solid. But it's right. not it's not something that you would write write home and go, oh my god, I've got to have that dish or something like right. that. Right. Um, but but we started out fairly early. My dad's, uh, you know, he he starts around. He has his martini around five, and and okay. is done with dinner around six, and is in bed by seven thirty or eight. But, anyways. There were two tables on the patio and we sat. And when we left, the whole place was full. And it's the gestalt, right? It's the whole thing combined. And, and we didn't interact with anybody. My dad saw somebody and they said hi and all that. But it's this being in a place where all these elements come together that really, you know, I don't want to say it's a basic human need, but we need to be in those th- places like that and have those things. Because uh, because we're pack animals, you know, in our history. And and I I think all those things add up so that the um, sum was greater than the total of the parts. And we had a fabulous time. And 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 we realized how much we had missed that over this last 16 months. And, And, you know, usually prior right prior to to this takeout was a convenience that it never was as good, really. Uh, you know, there are very few things that travel well. You you get them in your car, you get home and you look at it, and you know, I paid. <laughs> so, so I that's all. And I don't know how I don't know if you can fix that. I mean, there are some things that do well, but. Right. But that's also a reason many restaurants didn't do takeout. Because you just had enough of an ego to say, I'm not giving yeah. them this fried thing that's going to be a piece of shit when they get home. No. And but they've done their best now to adjust menus to those things that do travel as best as possible. Correct. But I still say, you know, and my deck is beautiful and I love, you know, I don't mind eating on it at all. But by the time that food gets Mm. on that in that box or even for me, I take it out and put it on a plate on the deck. It's cold every time. It's no, not warm. there's nothing you can do. Right. I, I, or you can warm it up, but it's not the same. No, and then if you nuke it, you know, it gets all gummy or steamy. Or, right. For a long time, we didn't do fries for right at the beginning. Right. Uh, you can't. Because they're, they're, yeah. I got and an then, air fryer now, though, so I can throw them in there, but I got to do the work. Yeah. And that's not why I go out to eat. So, no. um, anyway, that it, it reminds me when you're talking about this of, and I'm, I'm really, um, I'm uh, really pleased that we have been Facebook friends for years, but really never spoken. No. But uh, the fact that Papa Haydn for me was always that you met, you used the word gestalt, gestalt experience, because I can't say we, I went there for dinner more than a few times, but right. for me, and I'm sure you know this about your target audience or your customers. For me, it was a after dinner, let's go to Papa Haydn for dessert for, and what, and it, you know, it was one of the things that I first, that had me first falling in love with Portland in a big way, because, you know, you, we didn't restaurant hop in Connecticut where I was, you mm-hmm. just didn't do it. And here, Papa Haydn was like, hey, you want to do something really cool? Let's go to Papa Haydn. And by the way, it never got old. It was no. always, let's go there because there's a zillion different op- yeah. options. And But... You'd get there. I would get there. It was cool, like 10, 30, 11, and it was still kind of crowded, but you could get a table. It wasn't a long wait. You could get in there, but it was there was a lot of energy and 
yeah. and try a little of this and a cup of decaf maybe. Fantastic. So that embodied what we're talking about now. Your cake travels well. That would have been just, you know, let's go yeah. grab a piece of cake and take it home. But the right. experience there is what really made it. And, you know, I had a girlfriend back then, and that's what we did every time was hit your, uh, you know, uh, your, is it the Selwood? You call it Selwood? Yeah, oh, oh, that's World Corporate Headquarters, Chris. <laughs> yes. So, we're, yes, World yeah. Corporate Headquarters. I didn't realize I could have, uh, I could have, uh, you know, had a conversation with the CEO had he been yeah. there at 1130 at night. Right. So. Yeah. Hey, Chris, let's pause a moment and welcome on board to the Right at the Fork family, a great new sponsor, Finex cast iron cookware company yes we're delighted and the reason we're delighted is because we're you know having been in advertising for years i just love the fact that we have a podcast and we have advertisers that we truly believe in anybody who's listening to the podcast knows some of the others that we talk about every week and they're near and dear to our hearts well so is finex because Court, I think you uh, agreed, and I did too. It's almost every day for the last few years, ever since we acquired our Finex cast iron skillets, that we've been using them. Daily. Every single day, there is a use in my family for our 12-inch cast iron pan. And they still look great, and they're easy to clean. And one of the things I like best about this cast iron, and I wasn't a big cast iron user before this, once in a while for some kind of casserole, but I'm frying on this every day, is the smooth surface. It is unlike anything you've ever seen in a cast iron skillet. And of course, that's one of the features that caused Finex to bring cast iron to the fore in the cooking world in the last few years. It's not that it hasn't, cast iron hasn't been around for years, but now it's really become the thing and Finex is the premium for, as they say, Finex is built for those that believe details make the difference and that couldn't be a truer statement. One of the things I love about my uh, 12-inch skillet Chris is not only is it awesome and versatile and you can do so many things with it it's like a work of art it's just a beautiful piece of iron and uh, to know that it was you know that Finex is based here in Portland and in fact I was just reading it takes 12 hours and 12 hands to create these beautiful pieces of again artwork and great cooking material yeah I leave mine right on my stovetop because it's no reason to put it away. No, it looks great. I use it all the time. No I'm lazy. Yeah, no, no. I, I don't think you're lazy at all because I do the exact same thing. I want people when they walk into my kitchen to say, oh, wow, you have a Finex. Yeah, they're great. And there's a reason over this past year when I've been watching a lot of chefs like Gabriel Rucker and others doing their home cooking demonstrations on Instagram, you, you're always going to see them cooking in Finex. Yep. Uh, here might be the best thing about uh, when you purchase a Finex product is that all Finex products are guaranteed good forever. Can't beat that. Yep. Yeah, no, you can't beat that. And that's a pretty confident statement and business proposition for them to make. Mm -hmm. So find, find all their products at FinexUSA.com. So how did you, you, you know, you sent me your bio, right? Yes. And it's pretty cool. You know, you were uh, started in the business in Los Angeles and ended up here in Portland at Reed and 
I didn't see where you became owner of Papa mm -hmm. Hyatt, right? You were working there. But the question I want to ask is you don't mention in your bio anything about dessert. It's not in there. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the everything that's not sweet. I'm responsible for. Well, yeah, but <laughs> no, you're but, responsible for. Yeah, you own the restaurant, so yeah, no, you're no, no. For it. Along with my wife Evelyn, who who was the head baker, and oh, go ahead, yeah, who was the head baker for a long time, um, and uh, the story starts with her sister and uh, and her brother-in-law Jeff and Heidi Van Dyke, who opened up in '78 uh, at the East Side at our Sel Selwood location, and. Heidi and Evelyn had grown up well in East in East Germany. Uh, their parents were put in prison for three years trying to get out to Berlin back in the day before the wall came up. And so they were raised by their grandma then. And then finally, her parents got out of prison, got to the West. Uh, and Evelyn and Heidi had to stay behind uh, before they could join them. Anyways, in West Berlin, Evelyn was 16 and Heidi would have been 14. Her mother, their mother had bad experiences in the war. And as you recall, West Berlin was surrounded by East Germany and by the Russians. Mm -hmm. she, just, she just could not do it. They had a small little bakery in Mariendorf, uh, kind of out near where uh, Tempelhof was. Anyways, uh, dad came across, started working for Franz Bakery, uh, bought a house that they all came over. So the inspiration, Heidi and, and Evelyn went to PSU, both got masters in fine arts, Heidi in textiles, Evelyn's a sculptor. She has a piece in uh, Laurelhurst, that big stainless steel abstract piece, triad. I don't know, it's down by the, if you've seen it, that's hers. But anyways, Heidi and Jeff start this little cafe because um, you don't make a living making weavings and textiles. And, mm -hmm. and it, the intent was to recreate sort of a, a coffee house, a, a Viennese or, or European thing. And they figured, oh, well, you know, we'll be open till seven or eight, yada, yada. Well, reality hits. Uh, they're a couple. They have a baby and and we do well. Um, you know, we have an espresso machine. The case is full of, I think, four recipes, two of which were made by her father at first. It was a, um, a Dobosch-Tort and a Zacher. And... Um, I can't, I think a cheesecake, a New York cheesecake. Anyways, they need help. They ask Evelyn if she wouldn't mind helping out for just a year. Mm -hmm. And that's 1978. Ev, Ev that's is, a long I, time ago, by the way. Yeah, I know it's, everything's 50 years ago, right? Well, or 40. <laughs> I just was looking at uh, an old Van Halen video, right? That was, and I have some ties to Van Halen, the, the uh, band, but the, I, I just too. realized that was over 40 years ago. Yeah. You know, when they were at their peak. So I grew up in La Cunada. Eddie Van Halen was the high school band in my day. That was mammoth in those days, right? Uh, 70. This was 74. Oh, wow. That was yeah. way pre Van Halen. Yeah, way pre Van Halen. I came back. I went to seminary, as I said, in, in 72 when I graduated. And uh, he, he hadn't hit the scene then. But when I came back to La Cunada for a while, um, Eddie Van Halen was was the hot thing to go to on a Friday night party. 
Really? Yes. Did you ever listen? We're we kind of diverted here. I'm sorry. Yeah. Back. No, no, no. It's fine. I love diver. I'm the one who's always guilty of diverting. And then I hear the only complaint we get about this podcast is you were about to finish something and you went somewhere else. But this is interesting. Yeah. Did you ever go to the Whiskey or Go Go to see? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I I remember seeing one of your posts. Yeah, I used to go to the Whiskey more Troubadour guy than Whiskey, uh, and right. then the Ro- and Roxy uh, and at the old Palladium. I worked and- at the Roxy. Yeah. And and my my big time, I mean, I saw it was a miss. Let's call it misspent youth. Maybe uh, I don't remember much of it, but um, the big deal was Polly Pavilion, Grateful Dead, New Riders of the Purple Sage. And mm-hmm. I sat next to this tall redheaded guy and we shared we shared some weed and had a good time and some other things. It was Bill Walton. I didn't know Bill Walton. from anybody, <laughs> So I guess he was kind of tall. He, he was really tall. It was right at center court. And, and we had great uh, and it was floor seating. And, you know, that's uh, awesome. Well, I have my I have my Hall of Fame Center Los Angeles story, too. And it relates to the Roxy. I was the doorman at the at the usher at the well, both at the Roxy in 1978, summer of 1978. I think it was 78 or might have been 77, summer okay. of 77. And so my job was to seat the celebrities in the VIP section at the Rocks. Right. Among them, you know, Elton John with his entourage and, yeah. oh, my God, Rob Reiner, who was an asshole. And um, uh, but I sat at the time. I think he was now I, th- I think he was Kareem, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at the time, not Louis. Oh, yeah, that, that in 70. Yeah, I think so. So I sat him in the back of the VIP section and I was standing right next to him and he was taller than I was and he was sitting. So I I will never forget that. Yeah. So, all right. So listen, did you have any, how about blazers at Papa Hyden? Let's get back to that. No, you were talking about that, how you started there and how you got it. Yeah. Well, anyway, just to finish up the the thread, um, they, they started with this Viennese coffee house in 10, um, and that was the whole deal. And, and as you pointed out earlier, we didn't know it was a business plan to have not only lunch and dinner, but to have these shoulder hours right between lunch and dinner and then after dinner. And so that really was a key to our success. That and my wife's creativity. She ch- treated chocolate. She's not a baker by training. Um, she's a sculptor by training, but she treated chocolate and desserts um, that, as ethereal sculpture, right? As, as uh-huh. ephemeral. Um, is what is the word I was searching for. So that's the whole key to key to that. And uh, so that that finishes up that thread. Well, yeah, but you've been she's been doing it for a long time now. So eventually those recipes, I would imagine, get honed a little bit. And then you still get the sculptor concept, the sculpt. And so by the time it all came together, when Portland actually started having a food Scene. Food scene. Yeah. So then you I think you had it down and still do. Yeah, we uh, were old kids on the block by the time, um, you know, Zephro hit in. Holy moly. When did Bruce open on 21st? Like 80 after us on the West Side. Eight, I think that be like 85. Maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Maybe that's a little early. But yeah, we, we had been around and, um, you know, Evelyn stopped baking years ago and we have fabulous talent in the and the the for a long time the best bakers that we had weren't professionally trained they were art school dropouts and, and that kind of deal and fawn hosey who still lives out in Elvasia, she was a key person and 
our current baker, Risa Milas, uh, grew up in the deli business and down in L.A. And yeah, anyways, so uh, well, that's that's awesome that you don't you know in a day when everybody has a lot of chops that it, that wasn't what it took and you know and that's what you hear from a lot of um, restaurant owners and chefs is some of the best employees are those that are moldable. Yeah. So that they aren't coming in with a lot of bad habits or habits that don't mesh with what how you do business. Yeah, or 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 just um they're outside they don't have boxes that restrict them, you know, that they and they're not afraid um, right. to try anything or intimidated, those kind of things. Pat I think passion is is key. And and it and this the business has changed a lot since since we started. Um for the majority of your employees were transitional, you know, college kids looking to pay in a little extra or do something during the summertime or a high school thing. And as the economy has gotten more banana Republic like, um, and I don't mean the store. Um, yeah, no, there's two ways to go with that. It's become more of a, a landing and ending place rather than a transitional place. And, and so, um, it's it's just a different environment and part of it's because we're cranky old people and you know you kids today kind of stuff but uh, <laughs> but well, you do. I, I hear that to a person for people who are our age that you know um <laughs> that we're all cranky because you're dealing it's like dealing it's what i dealing with my children it's like you made me cranky could you just do this why do i have to do this? well so, yeah, as the T-shirt used to say on Reed when I first got there, it was a daycare center for young adults. So, yeah, and that's how sometimes work feels that way as well. But uh, and, and later uh, became, you know, Portland became where thirty-year-olds go to retire. Tire, so, right, that was a great line from Portland. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think that was it, or at least it was close. So yeah. that being said, you're now dealing with a lot of unknowns because wow. Who knew that 2020 was going to come and hit you from every side imaginable? So there's not only the pandemic, then there's this all, all this awareness and, um, you know, uh, treating people well in the kitchen and people coming out of left field unchecked with accusations and so forth. How did that? I mean, so and you've got to come out of that now. There was one thing looking at that and evaluating what you're going to do now. Right. Well, now you got now that you're going to be busier and I don't know more whether that, that micro call it a microscope or telescope is going to be on everybody as much, but how are you going to deal with that? Well, we, we deal with the way we've really always dealt with it and try to treat people fairly and honestly and um, transparently. And I think there's some good things that are going to come out of this. Um, and I think we might see um, a better uh, pay scale and equity in terms across the board in the restaurant, especially back of the house, front of the house. Mm -hmm. um, you know, be, be being in the business long enough that the imbalance between front and back just got totally out of whack. I mean, when I started, um, I think minimum wage was somewhere around five eighty-five, and and the only people who we've ever paid minimum wage to were. Uh, wait staff um, because they earned the money in tips and I had cooks and bakers at that time were like 12 bucks an hour, you know, so more than double uh, and probably on par with uh, waiters tips and, and that. 
Well, that that just got whack. And and I think one of the things that's going to happen out of this, and it's all, we're starting to do it, is to bring those things closer to an even playing field. And then um, our average wage right now, um, because we're able to share tips, um, is somewhere just uh, around 20 an hour. Not not quite for some and a, and a little more for others, but that's that's the mean. And I and and our goal is is to have both sides be on the same, so it end up somewhere around twenty four. Obviously, somebody's taking a haircut and it's front house. There, they had a really good for a while, and and I do don't want to um, pull the rug out from them, uh, but also that sort of uh, halcyon golden age where really through no. Um, dessert of their own, uh, pardon the, the unintended pun, um, wa- was a boon to them, right? I mean, people were earning 35, 40 an hour, even more. I saw a figure the other day, this was never us, but for Puck at down in LA, he, he had staff, uh, wait staff earning 100 a year, 100, 100K. Oh, I've heard a little, some of that around Portland too. Yeah, so, <laughs> so that, that's not fair. Um, you couldn't do anything about it for a while. Um, the Bureau of uh, Labor kept us from uh, sharing tips as we wanted to. Uh, Let me just point out, just in case, because people will misunderstand anything these yeah, days or yeah. use things in context to their advantage. Right. When you say that's not fair. You're saying in relation to the back of the house. Correct. You're not just thinking your employees shouldn't be doing. No, no. I'd like to give them as much as possible and and still have enough to have sent my kids to college, et cetera, et cetera. And all. Yeah, no, I I, I don't mean it that way at all. I just meant in terms of kind of equal work, equal pay. Mm -hmm. And and why should somebody who works um, four hours earn as much as that other person working, you know, 10 hours or 12 hours over a hot stove. Yeah, exactly. And, and so I'll tell you just a little aside. So when we first started, we shared tips with the back of the house, uh, dishwashers um, and pretty. And, and that went on from like 78 till we opened in 83 to about 84. When we let go of a, a front of the house person um, who turned around and said she was forced uh, to share her tips with people who, and we ended up paying a goodly amount to in back wages, almost a quarter of a million bucks, uh, because we had been sharing tips with all those people. Mm. And you know, so so our intent from the beginning has been pretty much, and the, and the dish pit is the worst. I mean, that's I think all a lot of people in the industry started there and realized what um what a job that is you know the irony is as i hear you is i'm sure you would if you were going to outlay a quarter million dollars you wish that would have gone to the back of the house correct you know all those years that was your intent that was why you got into the the pickle correct correct so so anyway i I do i do think we're going to come out of this with with that evening up a bit um you know and um over the next five years. And then we'll make, we'll offer um, front of the house staff commissions uh, on X over, you know, we'll increase, we'll take the tipping share over um, a baseline of sales and then decrease it. So they, the more they sell, 
the more they'll keep. I mean, because after all, it, it is hospitality. It's a special kind of, of sales, but it is sales. That, that's, that's what the business is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a craft. And you, you know, I'm sure you have places where you go, you, who you've struck, stricken up, struck, struck a relationship with a, way, with a service staff member, and that person makes, makes your experience even much better. And, you know, interestingly enough, that's why, in many cases, that's what brings me back. So the awesome food may, yeah. but there are places where I like the service so much. Let's go there and have them take care of us, which is, again, right back to my original comment, which is what you like. So, But on the flip side, oh, my God, there are so many, and I'm going back, you know, to pre-pandemic, but so many front of the house people who aren't worthy of Correct. those kind of numbers that you're talking about because they don't know what they're doing. I've never waited a table in my life, but I've sat at a number of them. So it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out, wow, there's a simple thing they could have said or did or not said um, that would have been great. And right. so Service that's, why, that's why I think you're, what you're talking about, some sort of commission base, makes a lot of sense because those people who really don't have a clue Right. Aren't going to aren't going to benefit gonna, as much as correct. people do. In the at the end of the day, right? You want you wanted to you want earnings to reflect effort uh, at, above a baseline of of a living wage, and service will always trump food, um, no matter what. You can have great food if you have bad service, it's it's not going to be as good. It's just going to uh, mar that experience. I had, and if you have. Um, really good service and the food's just okay, it elevates the food. I had that explained in the LA I had, we, I was working at a steakhouse, basically, uh, you know, Tiffany glass salad bar. I'm sure you can imagine the the place anyways. And I was back in the kitchen and I had, I'll, I'll never forget this This waiter, John Cox. He used to just drive the kitchen just crazy because he'd have special requests or he wanted this and and what i didn't see because i hadn't been out in the front of the house yet was he was really trying to please the customer and one night it 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 got so bad he had this prime we used to do prime rib and all we had left were the middle and which was rare medium rare and rare and the way you would cook it back up is to dunk it in the uh, jus for just a brief little splash that would take the red color away. It really wouldn't change the texture long. So, so we do that and he brings it back and he says, it's not well done enough. They cut into it. Can't you put it on the, throw it on the grill on the, we had a wood burning grill. I said, no, cause the thing will come out like a piece of rubber. And we, we fought once or twice over it. And finally I put it back, I dipped it in the jus, slapped it back down on the plate, turned around. And the next thing I knew, I had a piece of prime rib up against the, my face. <laughs> and uh, so, so I'm like, you know, either he goes or I go. And I talked I talk to the owner that night and he said, look, what you don't realize is there are 20 people in John's section out there who are as happy as campers, no matter what you do. So we worked it out and, and, and it really hit home is it takes more than just the good food to, to make a happy customer. And I know this isn't important in that anecdote, but the fact of the matter is if anybody likes prime rib, well done, yeah. they don't give a shit about rubber. No, they're, right. They're yeah. already in there. They like it that way. Exactly. And, and you know, <laughs> you're back there too. Oh, this is my food and I don't want it. Right. Right. Yeah. 
So yeah. can I have ketchup with that, please? Yeah, yeah exactly. So uh, I've had uh, not to go into it, but yeah, so many you just realize, OK, I'm not going to try so hard to have you enjoy it because I don't think you under you, yeah. you don't enjoy things a certain way. It's much like Democrats and Republicans. Holy shit. How can they think that way? But some people think that way about certain types of food. And, how, you know, I go back to my father. What do you mean you don't like brains? How can you not? Have? You know, <laughs> well, some people don't. That one. I it's a big tent. To. It's a big tent. There's room for everybody. Exactly. So, you know, one of the things uh, you alluded to it indirectly before, but one of the things that you haven't had um, going for you over these last, you know, since I think around 2003, five, seven, when the food scene yeah. started going up, is you couldn't be the next shiny new thing. No. You could be for people coming into town like me, like, holy shit, look at this. Yeah. But you weren't, you're, I don't know. I'm sure you haven't been featured on Eater very often. No, you know, we get it when icons of Portland or, you know, places that um, haven't died along with the dinosaurs kind of thing. Um, so, <laughs> but, um, and, 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 you know, I, I wouldn't be honest if I didn't say there was a little bit of, you know, what are we, chopped liver? Um, right. But but uh, somehow um, those years we've built up a, a good brand. We have a ton of regular customers um, and people who come. Uh, and what I'm also noticing is our our clientele has expanded. Um, and, and, you know, before we would get um, all my Hispanic folks were back in the back of the house. Now I have successful second generation who are actually, I guess, third um, customers who are Hispanic and come in with their families. Um, and so I think we, we do fine. You know, we're not, we're not the only kid when we were, when we hit um, 23rd, um, you remember the Gus Van Zandt's movie, drugstore cowboy. Yeah. Uh, so, so like, we were we were the only restaurant on the block. There were still some dive bars um, and boys and girls aids. It was it was a, I guess, transitional neighborhood at the time, kind of. Um, and anyways, the I was going to say the, the store across the, the drugstore across the street, Irving Street Pharmacy Milt owned that. It was robbed like two weeks after we were opened. And Gus Van Zandt was dining that night with us. Uh, had some dessert. I think that's where I like to think that's where the inspiration for the movie movie came. But but anyways, what I, what I, the point was? I'm sorry, it's very circuitous. But yeah, we we had lines out the door. We're no longer the new kid on the block. But we feel um, that uh, we still have um, the ability and 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 execute. Uh, a great dining experience. Um, we have a, you know, we know where I know, I mean, talk about inferiority complex. Uh, I think our food and I think Elmer Santos, our executive is one of the best, if not in Portland, you know, I'll put him right in the, in the top five, but he doesn't get that recognition. And, and it doesn't because we have, we're known for our desserts, but uh, we do have what we like to call the full meal deal where, you know, I think we can uh, provide, an experience equal to or on par with a lot of other restaurants. We have a great wine list. I have great aperitifs. We have appetite. You know, you can do the whole thing there and, and have a, and spend two and a half hours, or you can come for 20 minutes after the theater or a quick, you know, or pick up something on the way home. So it's, a, I, I'm, I'm grateful and we remain extremely grateful 
to um, be in such a marvelous place as Portland. And, and we raised our kids. We've employed thousands of folks over the year. I have a MacArthur fellow over uh, as one of them. We have lots of people who bought homes and work, you know, so all those things make me feel good about what we do. And I still love to cook and I love to eat. And, and I do think that as we alluded to earlier, this gathering together um, is just somehow taps a taps a root, taps something really in your soul or your spirit. And, and it, it, is it necessary? No. Um, but here in, in today's society, I think it provides uh, an oasis, right? You know, the Hemingway, it's a clean, well-lighted place. You know that story. Mm-hmm. It's a, it, and, and that's exactly what we try to provide. Well, it goes way beyond stuff. Yes. Now, we've all, we all try to provide some security for ourselves and our children and, you know, the good things in life. I consider the good things in life those experiences uh, yes th- those experiences yeah do i like a nice watch yeah but no. no i think more important i could give up the watch and just have great friends that i can get together with and yep. i think that's more important so i want to ask you because you just mentioned it do you still love portland yes and no it's, it's <laughs> I, um i i think we're in a very transitional phase here and we'll see what happens um i think uh, put on my you know political science hat. I think we have a poor form of government in council government, um, especially even more so since they um, unregionalized, since they're at large now, um, and there's no executive with any power. Um, and we've had a succession of poor leadership for a long time. And uh, to be clear, I support the majority of the social agenda out there that would be called left. Um, but I also realize that from a small business point, uh, and I think any small business has, has, you know, the dividing line between success and going under is, is pretty fine. Um, and I think a lot of small businesses are being taxed um, beyond their contribution financially um, to support that social agenda and the big big boys, so to speak, get away um, without their um, same sort of per capita taxation. Right. right. Well, I, I think I think it's it's um, it, we, it could go a couple of ways. And, and you know, um, but we're willing to stick with it. And, uh, you know, I, I see warning signs. I see Kurt Huffman, another Reedy. uh you know, trying out Lake Oswego out in the burbs with the food court. Uh, and I, you know, I talked anecdotally, I talked to friends who are looking to move and that kind of thing. And, you know, when you start adding up the corporate activity tax, you, Port, Portland tax now is da, 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 you know, I mean, I'm now I'm, now I'm sounding like, Hey, you kids get off my lawn. Um, well, yeah. But then where there's that part of the equation, but then as a business owner and a resident, you start to wonder where is what good are my tax dollars doing when it, uh, when you can't even walk down the street? No, it's so, really bad. Yeah, and so it, it, there's taxes. If they, if you felt you were paying exorbitantly high taxes, but you saw gardens and tweeting birds and people all over the place, uh, like you do in Scandinavia, 
Yes. Um, then you would, then you might feel differently about those, but correct. You know, I know uh, my, I guess I'm not going to get specific, but I have good friends in the business who one of whom, two of whom are out of town right now. And it was like, yeah, which we paid in taxes and what we did for this community. And, yeah. and you couldn't even, you couldn't even get a cop down to the, down to take care of vandalism. No, it's, it's, it's real, you know, it, it, that, that part, I think it ain't over yet is I guess, and we, we shall see, um, you know, uh, uncle Donald, uh, wasn't uh, the the be all and end all he wasn't the cause of this thing he was the symptom and uh that just his being defeated thank god um is not the end of it we're still in the middle of all this i mean after all nationally what was it 70 million people voted for that clown oh. uh, and, and you know um here in portland we tend to think that I don't know. We talk about the bubble. It's definitely a bubble. You know, you don't have to go any farther than Gresham to to see. Right. That. Well, yeah. And listen, I, I some of my best friends, I don't know. I don't ask any longer if they're Trump supporters, but certainly yeah. Republicans over the years. I had to, you know, figure out how to find common ground and did. You know, I love those people. Yes. But this is this is a little different. And, it is. Um, but I don't know, you know, I'm still wondering, I don't know, but I'm still wondering why people are still vandalizing still. I, to I, this don't, get day. That. I don't get that at all. And I don't get why the city can't do anything about that. So. Uh, I agree. Uh, I, I could. <laughs> and and that, that's definitely I mean, every time I see this, you know, we have a good neighborhood uh, association and, you know, a direct action thing. And, you know, you get nervous. Right. And that's a lot of. And, and you know, I, I'm not you're not you can't, you're not equating um, cops shooting people with a brick in your window. The, obviously, those are on two totally different com, uh, planes. And yes, you can your insurance covers it. But at the same time, it's not only your livelihood, it's your staff's livelihood. You're da -da 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 -da. And at some point we have a society of laws. Yeah. And at some point, right. They're not the same thing, but throwing a big brick through the window night after night after night, that's wrong. And something yeah. should be done with it. So. And, and, right. and you, yeah, I agree. And, you know, I mean, the best, the best thing would, you know, for all those people, if they would start arresting those folks and, and rather than making them do times, make them clean it up. Right. Right. You know, and or put put them for uh, in, uh, you know, whatever it's I, I don't have any solutions. That it's but it you you it gets very frustrating um, to basically see hands tied or, or tw thumbs being twiddled while, and, and, you know, I don't want to exaggerate it because it's not Rome burning or that kind of thing. Um but it is it's as close as we've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's gone out. It's, it's, it's um, beyond all, all, all the pale of, of uh, what they're, what the, what the intent of the pro and that's a distinction. The protest is one thing. The vandalism is another thing. And I don't necessarily think the same, same thing is they're not connected. Right. right. It's, it, the, well, they're connected in that some people are taking advantage. Uh, they, yeah, correct. Of, they're of using it as saying covered. this is connected, but it's it's not. It's, it's not. well, if it 
whether it is or it isn't, someone's yeah. got to someone's got to point out the difference and take care of that. So, yeah, that's that's the point I was making. And then and then take the heat if there's a problem on that end. But still, I think uh, for the good of society, um, those things need to be taken care of. All right, enough yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me ask you this: So you've generally, you know, stepped away from the business, your son, and you've got some great people running your restaurants. What what is it? Aside from the last year, up to 2019, what do you, what do you, what do you get the most joy from? What do you like to do uh, now? Because the restaurant business is not easy, and no. you spent many years, uh, you know, working really hard. Now, you know the fruits of that. La- what, how are you enjoying the fruits of your labor? Uh, well, before before 20, we we travel. Uh, we we'd spend um, a month in Berlin uh, in my old wife's stomping grounds. Um, and, uh, I get, I get joy from being in wild places, from hiking and backpacking. And I love, I love to read. Um, my wife's an artist. She, she likes to fill our home with, uh, lovely, lovely things and, and garden. Um, and we like to just keep kind of, um, our fingertip on the pulse of the business and stay out of the out of out of their way um so those those things are are nice and i like to play tennis uh, you know i just all the things you do before you get too decrepit to do them <laughs> anymore um and theater and music uh we support that and so you know i i, I we're, we're very fortunate to um have made a good living at this and to be able to to enjoy that. And as, you know, as far as the business goes, I think we look to expand our, our sort of um, uh, hedge bet will be trying to increase our wholesale business um, to hedge against any deterioration in the dining business. I, to be honest, Chris, I, 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 I'm like you, you know, I want to get back in an indoor dining. I don't know when that's going to happen though. Uh, You know, fingers crossed before the end of the year, but I won't be surprised to see us um, another two years. I mean, look, look at what is it? 30 percent of the nation is vaccinated and already the um, supply now of vaccine exceeds the demand. And, and so you got to You got to add. You got to take off the ineligible folks who are too young. You can't get vaccine. But that still leaves a huge reservoir for that virus to live in. Uh-huh. And so I don't know, you know, it, it's going to I don't think it's going back as soon as we want it to. I guess that would be my I suppose. But I know personally, I feel a little more at ease having a vaccine. Oh, yeah. Same. <laughs> and by the way, I'm still there's part of me that thinks, oh, my God, what if this was a grand plan? However, I've talked to enough doctors. And yeah, so at least I feel a little better about that. But I do think that. Uh, you know, it will. I just feel for operators now who just dealt with. Let's stock up for this great weekend, and oh, sorry, you can't have indoor dining again. Yeah. That was oh. the most well, insane yeah. thing I've ever seen. Oh, I mean, try. You know, last week uh, uh, for the for the lack of uh, two patients, we would have been in hospitals statewide. We would have been closed, and then you know, to tell us to turn around and be open for mothers. The, you know, one of the biggest dining was, was a, you know, we did what we could, but you can't, you can't tell somebody who 
was scheduled and then you told them off and then, oh, by the way, come back. I didn't even think about the labor side of it. I was thinking of having the food go bad yeah. and then having to, you know, so. Well, both. Yeah, so right. So many things have been challenging. So, boy, you've swung the bat with the donuts on them for the last year. So hopefully everybody will come out of this with being able to handle anything and also with like a, a takeout profit center that is stronger than it was before. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. And, you know, I, 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 I told my, my son if at last March, if I have to hear the word pivot one more time, I'm going to just go nuts because I mean, that's what you write any small business. You, you, if you're not paying attention to demand and your customers and that's pivoting, right? I mean, that's whatever you want to call it. it this was it, more pirouetting. This was constant turning. Yeah. So pivot is one thing. Yeah. But I agree. I got tired of the word. And then I started, you get to the, so many scenarios where you have to use it. So yeah. I think every time, if you listen, anybody listens to this podcast, always hears me disclaim the word pivot, but I'm sick of it. But on the other hand, that's what yeah. I always had to do. Yeah. Nimble. So, right. so um, Boy, I hope, I just hope we can, and you know, for me, I can't wait to travel again, but we moved our trips that we were doing to Spain and Italy, though these fall trips are too close to, yeah, for people to feel good about making um, flight arrangements. And we don't yet know about Europe and how right. they're going to be. So we move those to next year. So that's, you, that's twice now. You're, 20, you're, you're fall of 22. Now putting it on. Well, off. we were spring and fall 2020, then 21. Yeah. Now we're spring and fall 2022. 22. And, you know, I'm fairly confident about that. But the cool thing is we've had, you know, probably uh, 75% of the folks who were booked in 2020 who are well, still with us because I think they, you know, they don't want their money back. They want to travel. Right. So, um, you know, keep it with you and let, make this thing happen, Chris. So I've been doing the best without really having a lot of, with having some communication in Europe, but they've been, you know, they oh. don't know either. No, so. I, my wife has family still in the former East and, and, you know, things are just as bad there as they are here. In terms well, I think we've actually surpassed them finally. Yeah, finally. So yeah. we're a little better and we should, you know, we always... Um, you know, we're very provincial here. We always thought we were, we should be ahead of them. And to not be for years was really rough. Yeah. But um, anyway, I think we are. Hey, Chris, let's pause just a moment and talk about one of our favorite places to eat, Ringside Steakhouse. Yeah, and Ringside, it seems like back to normal at Ringside, but it's even better than it used to be because now, in addition to indoor dining and takeout, you've got beautiful outdoor dining at Ringside, and they just set up a new little area, and uh, as they said yesterday, you can, you've got an old dog learning new tricks uh, at Ringside. So they have some really beautiful space outside, and of course, the weather is conducive to that right now. Um, and their hours are Wednesday to Friday, 5 to 10 p.m., Saturday and Sunday, opening an hour earlier at 4, and you can order your to-go food uh, an hour before the start of business. So note those hours that I just mentioned, and you can pick it up until 9. When you do go to Ringside Steakhouse, if you're uh, if you're choosing to dine in, whether that be indoor or outdoor, you want to make those reservations, you can do that through the website, ringsidesteakhouse.com, or... 
I use the open table app, Chris, and that makes it super easy. You just hop on there, you find your time, you find your table and you're good to go. It's, it's a 30 second process at most to get yeah. a reservation at ringside. So uh, think about what you're doing in the next 30 seconds and think about how productive and delicious that can be. And again, if you missed any of the information we just covered, the website again is ringsidesteakhouse.com. So uh, last question, and I don't think I prepared you for this, and I usually do, and I'm sorry if I didn't. But, That's all right. Um, can you, uh, maybe pre-2020, some of the places that you enjoy most in Portland when you go mm-hmm. out? Because I'd right. well, really like you- to know. As long as you agree to, you know, sign non-disclosures to people who hear this, because um, I hate to give away my good places, but um, oh well, I'm better that than you forgetting who you uh, later thinking, oh, I should yeah. have mentioned this place. Right. So I give you the disclaimer that this is on the spot, and you probably you're, you know, you're my age, and and you're gonna forget stuff. So. so. I, the first place that comes to mind uh, and is probably my number one favorite is Yuzu out in Beaverton. It's in a little strip mall. Uh-huh. It's a Japanese izakaya. It's run by a couple. Um, the woman's the front of the house. The husband's the cook. And again, it's it is the food, the best Japanese food. No, it's bar food. It's izakaya, but it's prepared with love and it's served with love. And th- I, I never go away unhappy or uh nothing but being um, more than elated. Um, I used to, uh, I would say Jose Chez's place, but it's not there now. Mm. Uh, That was a loss. The same kind of thing, food, excellent, but so was everything else that went along with it and um, small, intimate. And we always had a great time. I'm not going to be able to talk about that without a tear in my eye. No, it's a You're you're going to see him in Portland again. So, Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a real hole in the community. And there's others, others, too. And then kind of like just sort of I, I like uh, um, Michael's uh, sausage, uh, Italian style uh, sausage combo sandwich on Sandy. It's been there for years. Dude. Yeah. yeah. And I was sad when I stopped in last year and I heard he passed away. My, Michael passed. But um, the gal who used to um, run the front with him is there. Uh, yeah, Michael Zoykic was a a one a sweet, generous, one of a kind. I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, no way I would have worked him. That help wanted sign never went down. <laughs> but the sausage he made was just fabulous, and they haven't screwed that. So that's a great. Did you, did you ever get have a conversation with him about food carts and you know how Portland had changed? Yes. Oh, oh yeah. god, that was so fun. I loved. I did. I loved that guy. I loved to stop in. Yeah, and uh, just his. He was so passionate about what he served, you know, yeah. right? Everything had to be perfect the way he wanted it. And so, right. you know, and he pickled his own jalapenos and he, the whole right. from, from soup to nuts kind of deal. Um, and then I'm trying to think, I guess th- those come off right at the top. Um, and I haven't been out that much lately. So, well, that's good. Oh, I, oh, I, I love um, what's the Italian place on Burnside? Um, it got written up a few years back. Lucha, Lucha yeah, Lucha. That I I like that too. I I I've never had a bad bad time there as well. They have a great eclectic uh, wine list. Their Sicilian wines are really nice. And, well, know. there's a guy, John John Taboda, who's been, you know, he's again, he's not. It's hard. He, he did that. 
he found a way to be shiny for a little yeah. while after having Navarra for so long. Right. That was the first place that I hung out with regularly. Aside from Papa Hyden, I think I discovered Navarra first. Okay. And, you know, is yeah. that talked about much any longer? No, we were just by there the other night, but it was busy. It was good to see. So, yeah. um, so, so but, those are some, yeah. and then I love Gabriel Rucker's place, but everybody, who doesn't, right? And, and, right. And, There's a lot that you... There's a, a lot of places out there that are hard not to love and, yeah. and they're good people too. So, you know, the restaurant could be great, but if the people aren't so great, then mm. that takes the luster off of it. And Gabriel is just a Gabriel and Andy and everybody there. They're just, they just do a great job. Yeah, so. they do. I agree. Canard, right. I'm sure. Canard. You Canard. Oh yeah. You know, I, yeah. So yeah. Canard even more than, than pigeon because pigeon was too hard to get into but uh, right and yeah. cannot, well pigeon might be easier i just heard do you uh i just ran into brooke jackson glidden of eater the other night yeah She's coming out of Longbon, which you don't have to make a reservation for now you can just go there can you i didn't yes, know that you can get right in so talk about spoilers and yeah and, there you uh, go well now there's going to be a line for reservation well i don't think i would love to think that we fucked it up yeah, <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah, I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case, but maybe a few people. I hope. Yeah, but I, I, it's, I'm going to be there, and um, so uh, I refrain from asking questions because I it's tempting to say, "Have you been here? Have you been there?" It's yeah. always tempting. I don't want to do that because I don't know if you've been there, and right. uh, then it becomes what I like, which isn't what this is all about. So. Um, I appreciate you're a baseball fan, right? I am. Uh, unfortunately, I'm a Dodgers fan and, and we're not for this week. It's going to change. I, I know. I know. But yeah, I am a big time baseball fan. Uh, and and so I, what are your earliest baseball memories? Um, my dad worked for this company called American Cement. Um, and so he got the bosses tickets, which were behind home base. I think it was the second baseball game I ever went to and uh, we went with my sister and my dad and we're watching the game and all of a sudden the smell just of burning hair and and Groucho Marx was behind us and he is cigar ash had lit my sister's long fly away blonde hair <laughs> on fire so I remember that and then well, who's got Groucho Marx memories this is this is a you're a legend just having the memory generationally. No one's else, no one's gonna have that. And and then I, I tried to convert my daughter to um baseball early on and I took her to a, a, a Dodger game. Uh since then she's confessed that the only reason she went was for the ice cream and the little plastic helmets, and she really but anyways, the first time I took her, I had um a friend of my sister who had season tickets at Dodger Stadium behind the Dodger dugout and it was against the Phillies. And I think Jerry Royce was pitching. Um, anyways, a huge brawl broke out and my daughter was just, I mean, she was traumatized. And, and the usher uh, who knew um, uh, Cindy Sward was the uh, tick season ticket on knew the swords. He went down to the dugout after all this and uh, got an autographed baseball for, for my daughter, Kellen. So that, you know, and the, the thing about baseball is it just it's it's an Elysian field, right? It's, it's a place you walk into. You step out of time. There's grass. There's the smells. And, and time is, is no longer of, of a thing. And then 
And it's a beautiful game because you can enjoy it. It's not all about the game when you're there. No. It's not like football. No. You have to pay attention every second. And so no. there's and, so much to love. Exactly. And, and, and it's, it's a game where skill is necessary, but not determinant. It's luck, randomness and luck take a, a large part of the result. That's, that's why not always, always in a, you know, in a short series, that's why the best team doesn't always win. It's because well, I think that's the case with any sport. There's a lot of luck. There's a lot of things that have to happen in sequence that are part of luck, which makes baseball even more incredible because you got a lineup. Yeah. You have a purpose. You have a sense for who's supposed yeah. to be after whom, who's pitching. It's just. Yeah, no, we'd have to, we could have a good conversation about that. There was a scientific American study, a big stats on, on randomness in sports, and it was baseball and soccer which had the most randomness and, and, and the le- and where skill was the least determinant factor uh, just because they're so hard to do. Right. I mean, it's hard to hit. A, it's hard to hit a ball, a, a ball thrown 90 miles an hour with, with a round bat. And it's hard to put that ball through the net. Wow. So anyways, th- th- I think that's another reason I love the game. And, yeah, uh, we, we should. And I would like to I would love to just sit down and chat in the environment we were talking about. Yeah. Um, and uh, oh, my my baseball memories are just wonderful. And I let them out once in a while. But, but yeah. so that's why I wanted to ask you, because I think, you know, much like it represents it's much like food. You have food memories, right? When you were a kid, oh, where your parents took you and yes. you know, those smells and all those things. So yes. um, uh, hopefully we have all of those to pass on as well. So um, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time while you're visiting your father. My thanks to your father for letting you go. But he oh. let you go many times over the years. Yeah, so. he did. Yeah. <laughs> and I always came back. <laughs> yeah, there you are. There Very. you are. All right, man. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. All right. I hope the next time we meet is uh, either at a game with a beer or over a martini at uh, Joe Bar and, and uh, we'll have a nice night. I didn't mention Joe Bar, so I'm glad it's you all brought right. that up. Let's, I would love to do that. As a matter of fact, I don't, I'm not a big drinker, but when I do, it might be a dirty martini. So that's a good one, too. Uh, all right. That's a good one. So let, let's make a point of it. Okay. Let's not just say that. This is that's endemic in this society is saying we're going to do shit and never yeah, do it. And never do it. Right. Yeah. So, I, it happens in your travel group. I'm sure everybody has this great time and they want to take because I've, I've done the same with other travel groups where you meet these wonderful people and then you're just really not good enough in following up and, and maintaining that relationship. It's one of the reasons. Listen, I don't have a lot of skills. It's one of the reasons that I've been able to carry on doing what I'm doing because I get into conversations on my beach, exchange Instagrams, and the next thing you know, I do have. Yeah. Uh, I've met so many people because I talk, and yeah. and I do. And one of the things is I do stay in touch. I actually run a just started. It's so awesome a Zoom group, a monthly Zoom group with. Only my junior high school friends. I, I'm the glue there because I put it together and they're always thanking me. It's like, no, I enjoy doing this. It's not yeah. a big deal, right? We all do this shit anyway. All yeah. I got to do is send out the invite and send out the link, which takes a minute. Yeah. So um, anyway, okay. but I, so therefore I'm under pressure to make sure we get together and we absolutely will. Ditto. So, and I, I got some our time. Thank you for having me. I, it was a pleasure. I knew I would enjoy this. I didn't know you just a little bit, but I generally feel like I don't mean to be uh, ageist when I say this, but anybody our age and older that I've ever had on the podcast, 
there's so much wisdom and there's so much experience that I find the podcasts are really easy and they flow so well because there's a lot, a lot of, there's a lot going on and lots you can talk about. All right. I don't know about the wisdom part, but there are some funny stories. That's for sure. Uh, You got some wisdom (laughs) going on there, my friend. Thanks so much for sharing it. All right. Be well. Okay. You too. Ready to Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right